Today, we find ourselves in Psalm 105. Psalm 105. I'm going to read the psalm. Uh, and then after we read the psalm, we'll pause. One of the things, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, one of the things we're going to be doing in August is that every public gathering of our church, we're going to spend some time praying for the Newmans and their ministry. They are close. Lord willing, the plan is that in 2023, they'll be able to launch, to go and to, to get their house and get settled and start this ministry the Lord's called them to. And so we're going to pray this month at every gathering as they're sending church that the Lord would provide, that they would be able to do that. Uh, so I'm going to read the psalm. And do I have a volunteer to be willing to come up and lead us in prayer for the Newmans before we jump into our uh, psalm for this evening? Anyone? All right, Pastor Hogue. So I'll read the psalm, and then Pastor Hogue will pray, and then we'll jump in. Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the, nation, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. When they were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses his servant and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of the king. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and lice in all the territory. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He struck their vines also and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke, and locusts came, young locusts without number, and ate up all the vegetation in their land and devoured the fruit of the ground. He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. 
Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with a joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles, and they inherited the labor of the nations, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise the Lord. Let's look look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. Thank you for the, the reminder to us in your word that you are the almighty God. You are the one who does exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And we come to you tonight, Lord, to especially bring Jeff and Sherry to you I pray that you'll help Jeff as he teaches a module in, I believe, another week. Give him strength and health to be able to uh, finish that assignment. And Lord, we then pray that you'll be with them as they uh, once again go out and travel to churches and mingle with individuals that are friends from days past. I pray, Lord, that you will bring in the needed support. I believe they're at 73% now, and I pray, Lord, that uh, as their goal is to reach 100% by the end of the year, that you will indeed open up the doors to churches that are looking for missionary candidates. I pray, Lord, that uh, gifts will be given to complete the the goal for the home. And then, Lord, as they begin all of the process of sorting and packing, getting their house on the market for sale and finding a temporary housing in the Chicago area, and then finally that special place where they can begin their uh, missionary care ministry Lord, may your presence be very real to them. Give them safety as they travel. And Lord, I pray that even now, that as emergencies come into the lives of some of our missionaries, that uh, Jeff would be able to give them words of comfort, words of peace, I pray, Lord, that you'll make them a real blessing to the missionary family in the days and years that are yet ahead. We do commit them to you, Lord, and ask that you will cause us to rise up and praise your holy name for answering our prayer and doing more than we ever dreamed. And we'll just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
even as we take the time this month to pray for the Newmans uh, in our church, uh, as we gather together, I would encourage you, even as, as families, as you gather in your homes, pray for the Newmans, especially uh, this month, um, as we pray for them, as the Lord um, is preparing them for what he has called them to. We're going to turn our attention now to Psalm 105. It's a psalm, even as I mentioned earlier, that focuses on the past and has implication for the future. In fact, Psalm 105 and Psalm 106 go together. They're the ending of book four of the Psalms. And they go together. Psalm 105 focuses on God's faithfulness. You see it even as you walk through these verses. We'll, we'll recount it as we walk through this in the story of God calling Abraham and, and Isaac. And then you see the story of Joseph and God leading them out into the wilderness and into the, the um, promised land. God's faithfulness, his grace to his people. Psalm 106 then, Lord willing, as we'll see next week, is the opposite. It is Israel's unfaithfulness. Focusing then on God's mercy as they do not deserve his grace there's nothing that they deserve they have fallen short and both of these psalms together as you come to the end of this part of the psalms then proclaim together God's greatness he's a God of grace and he's a God of mercy Psalm 105 begins as the last few psalms have also begun calling on the readers to Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to him. The psalm actually in these first five verses, it's a call to praise the Lord. And it starts with really nine. Nine different actions that the reader, the, song, the, the singer, whatever it is, is called to give to the Lord. And the first is to give thanks not just to be thankful, but express thanks. Take the time to meditate, to think through, to set aside time to give thanks to the Lord. I think we are always thankful to the Lord. And if there should be times when we purposefully pause, to mindfully, purposefully thank the Lord. Think of Thanksgiving, a holiday that's set aside, or we go around a table, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What has God done? We need to do that more than once a year. <laughs> that is a good thing to do. Not just be thankful, but give thanks. So express your thanks to the Lord, but it doesn't stop there. It then says, call upon his name. Call upon him. The idea there is to, to display your trust in him by calling on him. For instance, when my children are scared, or when they're hurt and they come running in, and they call out, Daddy! It's a sweet sound. They're calling on me. They need my help because they trust me to be able to help them. 
You don't call out to someone that you don't trust. So even as we call upon the Lord, as we display our our trust in Him, that is a way in which we are praising Him. Even as we bring our requests to Him, as we'll do this evening, as we already have done some this evening, even that, calling upon Him, bringing our requests before Him, it's a sign of our trust to Him. It's a way in which we praise Him. So give thanks to him. Call upon him. Keep calling on him. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim among the nations publicly what God has done and who he is. It's interesting, this this psalm is likely written during or just after the Babylonian exile. It's a psalm that that focused on the exodus. How encouraging that would have been to exiles who are currently in exile. But they have a great opportunity to make known the deeds of their God among the peoples because God has scattered them among the peoples. But don't let that silence you. Keep giving thanks. Keep calling in his name. Wherever you are, make known his deeds. Among all the earth, all the peoples, what has God done? And then it's almost as if the psalmist gives kind of several ideas of how to do this. How do I make known his deeds among the peoples? You can sing, you can talk, you can glory, you can rejoice. Sing to him, sing psalms to him. Sing of what is true, of who your God is. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory or revel in his holy name. And who he is and what he has done. Think of the idea of glory or reveling as as just swelling up with pride and praise. And that glory often then overflows to singing, to talking, to rejoicing. But this is that just that, that initial reveling in who God is. When we were in South Carolina, the boys had the opportunity to go to basketball camp. We didn't even realize it was going on when we were there. And uh, so they had the opportunity to go for part of that. And, and after it was all done, they had this, this scrimmage on the last day, and the boys played in this game, and, and they did really well. They both made some awesome shots, and, and it was a good day all around. And so at the end of it, we were sitting around, and we were reveling in it together, just talking over and over and over about it. At what the boys had done, how much fun they had had, all the things that they had learned I was swelling up with pride inside. You can probably think of, of times in your own life, things that you've just reveled or gloried or things that just, you know, something happens and you guys just sit there and you, you talk about it. It comes up over and over and over again. Wasn't that awesome? Glory in his holy name. Sing of it, talk of it, glory, rejoice 
Really, what it comes down to is in whatever situation you find yourself, in whatever way it is appropriate, no matter what, just praise the Lord. Throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year, that's going to look a lot of different ways. Sometimes praising the Lord is going to look like giving thanks. Sometimes it's going to look like calling out to Him because you find yourself in need. Sometimes it's going to look like making known to all those around you through singing or talking or glorying or rejoicing in who God is. Sometimes it's going to look like seeking the Lord. The idea of to seek the Lord is to, to know Him more, to lean in. And it's really to seek the Lord is, is kind of put in two ways here. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face forevermore. The idea here is a well-rounded knowledge. Seek his strength or fear of the Lord and who he is and seek his face or loving the Lord, coming to him in a loving way. A good way to think about these two ideas of seeking the Lord, seeking his strength and seeking his faith forever, for face, uh, for, uh, face evermore. Speaking of basketball, my boys love to talk about basketball. And, and they'll watch a video and they'll say, Dad, do you know LeBron James? There's two ways I can answer that question, right? Yes, I know of him. I have an awe for his skill. He's a lot stronger, a lot faster. He can jump a lot higher. He's a lot better at basketball than I am. I have an awe of him, a recognition. I know him in that way. I've watched him play basketball a lot. But there's another way to know him too, isn't there? A way in which his family, his close friends know him where they sit across from a table and they get to know him as a person, not just as a basketball player. And they really, they go together, they work together. And I think that's the idea here. It is just a well-rounded knowledge of God. Know his strength. Fear the Lord. Know him as almighty God, as powerful ruler, as king. Know him as just But also know him as Father. Know him as grace. Know him as mercy. Know him as love. It's a well-rounded knowledge of God. Seek him. That is a way in which we give thanks and praise the Lord as we seek him. And then finally, number five, or really the ninth one listed here, but verse five, remember. Remember his works. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done. It's the same thing, speaking of Psalm 103, as I mentioned earlier, it's Psalm 103 calls us to do. To remember the Lord, the works that he has done. Do not forget all his benefits, Psalm 103 tells us. Do not forget what he has done. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. So there's these nine ways that we are called to praise the Lord, give thanks, call upon him, make known what he has done, sing, talk, glory, rejoice, seek, and remember. And then really in verses 6 through the end of the psalm, the psalmist gives a reason to praise the Lord. He starts with a call, verses 1 to 5, and now the reason. Right after he's called them, these people to remember, now he backs up and he walks really through Israel's history. This is who your God is. 
This is the God that you are giving thanks to. This is the God that you are calling upon. This is the God that you are making known. You are singing. You are talking of. You are glorying in. You are rejoicing. You are seeking. You are remembering. This is that God. And he walks through Israel's history. O seed of Abraham, his servant, your children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. This is our God. His judgments are in all the earth. His authority stretches beyond the borders of Israel. Yet he remembers his covenant forever. Verse 5 calls Israel to remember. Remember what God has done. Verse 8 reassures us that God remembers. He remembers his covenant forever. That begins really a theme throughout the rest of the psalm of God's faithfulness. All throughout the psalm, the psalmist is constantly returning to that, this everlasting promise that God has made, this covenant that God remembers. It's a word which he commanded for a thousand generations. This covenant knows no end. It's the covenant which he made with Abraham, as we see in Genesis 12. And then it's a covenant that was passed down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, as we see in Genesis 17.8 and Exodus 6.8. Passed down to every generation, to Israel, again here, as an everlasting covenant. God means what God says. What is this covenant? Well, it's saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance. I will give this to you. I will do what I have said. I promise that I would give a nation. I promise that I give a land. I promise that I would give blessing. I promise that all the world will be blessed. And I will do it. Verse 12 reminds us even of where we were a few weeks ago in Hebrews 11. As he walked through Hebrews 11 and uh, Abraham is, is uh, praised, put forth as an example of faith. He talks about that, that faith where he followed the Lord living as a stranger in the land that had been promised to him. That's what we see here again. God had made this promise to you, I'll give the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance. When they were few in numbers, indeed very few, and strangers in it. God had promised a great nation and they're, they're this tiny little family. In fact, so tiny that for 25 years after the promise is given, there is no seed to follow. And they're not living as kings. They're living as strangers, as aliens in this land that God has promised them. And yet God did not forget his promise. They went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people. He permitted no one to do them wrong. He rebuked kings for their sakes. His authority over kings here. Both Pharaoh and Abimelech. Pharaoh in Genesis 12, 17. As he takes Sarah and God, Sarah and God rebukes him. Same thing with Abimelech in Genesis 20, 3-7. Even these great kings of these great nations cannot stand up or go against our God. Do not touch my ones. Do not do my prophets no harm. 
Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. Not only do we see his power over nations and kings, but even his power over nature. The Lord brought a famine. He destroyed all the provision of bread. What we have here is the famine in Jacob's life. This famine foreseen by Joseph in Pharaoh's dream in Egypt in Genesis 41:57 and 42:5. This famine that the Lord brought. And yet, even as the Lord brought this, in verse 17 tells us, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Even in all these tiny details of Joseph's life as his brothers betray him and sell him into slavery, even in that, God is at work. Verses 16 to 23 focus here on the life of Joseph in Genesis 37 to 50. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the peoples let him go free. He made him lord of his house, ruler of his possessions, to bind his princes and his pleasure, to teach his elders wisdom. Israel also came to Egypt, and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham. And behind it all, the Lord is at work in it. So much so that at the end of it, in Genesis 50, 20, Joseph proclaims, You meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. All along the way, God knew what he was doing. And you, what's interesting is you can't see that day in and day out, can you not? It's not till you, till you back up, till you have the perspective of hindsight when you look back even as Joseph did in Genesis 50 that you see the faithfulness of God and work at all of the situations that he brings you through even in, as in this psalm 105 as the psalmist is walking us through this it's so clear to see the Lord at work it is so obvious that God is doing this for his glory It was not that easy to see for Joseph in the dungeon with the slave traders. It's not so easy to see day in and day out, and that's where faith comes in. Yet he was at work, verse 24. Starting here in verse 24, really through um, verse 38, we're covering Exodus 1 through Exodus 12. He increased his people greatly. He made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with the servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, from whom he had chosen. Again, note God had worked there. He did this. They performed his signs and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness. And, and God does all these things. It goes through all of these um, plagues. All along the way, he did this. The Lord did this. The God that spoke locusts into existence, speaks to lead the locusts into Egypt and to lead them out. It is God who is doing this. Verse 37, he brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. After all of this, the Lord leads them out, and he gives them riches, and he gives them strength. As God leads them out of Egypt, he provides all that they need to thrive on the journey that he has called them to. 
He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quail. He satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places as a river. He's the God who provides all that they need. And why would God do all of this? For he remembered his holy promise. Because he is a faithful God. He remembered Abraham, his servant. So he brought them out with joy. He brought them out with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles. They inherited the labor of the nations that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws to the end that he is glorified, to the end that God gets all the praise. And so the psalm ends the same way that it begins. Praise the Lord. As you walk through this history of who God is, of what he has done, it leads to one overarching, glaring, in-your-face conclusion. Praise ye the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Psalm 105 is a psalm that calls for responses and focuses on the past with implications for the future. Psalm 105 is particularly encouraging to Israel, even in exile, as they look back on what God has done. And yet it's just as encouraging to us as the church today because as we look back to what God did for Israel and how he provided them, we are looking back to the very same God that we serve. We don't have a promise of a land, but we have a promise of a kingdom. We have a promise of a king who is coming again. We have a promise that all things work together for our good and for his glory. We have many promises to cling to. And Psalm 105, if nothing else, proclaims to us that God is faithful. So church, praise the Lord. In all of these ways, in whatever situation, whatever way is appropriate, today and tomorrow and the next week and the next month and the next year, wherever you find yourself, praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. With that in mind,